All right, so here we go. Relationships last a lifetime. If you have your Bible this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 22. That's where we're going to begin. Relationships. Relationships are the fabric of the universe, and they are the foundation of human existence. Relationships. Some of us try to avoid relationships because, let's be honest, there are relationships that can hurt us. Relationships can sometimes drag us down. Relationships can disappoint us. Come on, if we were just being honest. So some of us try to avoid relationships. But I want to let you know something this morning that uh, it's very difficult for us to avoid altogether relationships throughout our lifetime. Because God created us as people who want and need relationships. And today we're going to talk about the first priority, the first relationship that we should have. But to tell you how important relationships are, let me just give you a couple of uh, quotes. There was uh, a fellow who did some research, Leonard Sign. He was a professor, a professor at the University of California. Listen to what he found about relationships. University of California at Berkeley. He indicates the importance of social ties and social support systems in relationship to morality and disease rates. Okay. He points to Japan as being the number, number one in the world with respect to health and then discusses the close social, cultural, and traditional ties in that country as the reason. He did research over a number of years to get this. He believes that the more social ties, the better the health and the lower the death rate. Conversely, he indicates that the more isolated the person, the poorer the health and the higher the death rate. Social ties are good preventative medicine for physical problems and for mental and emotional behavioral problems. Listen to this story here. Consider the marriage mayhem created when 76-year-old Bill Baker of London recently wed Edna Harvey. She happened to be his granddaughter's husband's mother. That's where the confusion began. According to Baker's granddaughter, Lynn, she said, my mother-in-law is now my step-grandmother. My grandfather is now my stepfather-in-law. And my mom is my sister-in-law and my brother is my nephew. But even crazier is that I'm now married to my uncle and my own children are my cousins. I think from that experience, she ought to be able to explain the theory of relativity and everything else, you know. That's just, a, that's just a little side note. I heard a song one time, I don't know, some of you, it's Southern Indiana, so some of you may have heard, uh, I'm my own grandpa or whatever it is. I thought that was funny as heck, but. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, relationships are so important. They're so important to God. They're the first priority to him. I mean, when he created Adam, uh, Adam looked around. The first thing he did was what? He looked for a companion. And he didn't find one that was suitable for him. So God put him to sleep and took a companion out of him. Relationships. Nothing affects us as much as all our lifetime relationships. When it's all said and done, you will look at the value of your life relationships. 
A life without relationships will no doubt be a simpler life. No doubt, because you won't have the ups and downs. But I guarantee you, it will be an unfulfilled life. It'll be a life that lacks some sort of purpose. To fulfill your purpose in life, you must have relationships. If your purpose is in ministry of some sort, well, you have to have relationships there. If your purpose is in counseling, how can you do that without relating to people? If your purpose is in business, uh, you can't be a person who doesn't want to talk to people and conduct business. Come on. Relationships are the fabric of the universe and the foundation of our human existence. And as we build a life of great, enduring relationships, we must start, folks, with what Jesus says about relationships. What is the priority? What is the foundation? First, love God, know God, let God shape your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Relationships, here's my definition of them for this particular series. Relationships are this. They are multifaceted connections, also multi-level connections between people of all ages and all places for all of life that bring fulfillment and enhance our destiny, helping us live a full, satisfying life. Now, you might say, well, Brother Mike, you know, you, you say that, but I have a couple of relationships that are not really helping me live a full, satisfying life. I mean, I have a couple of relationships where I'm offended and I'm let down and I'm disappointed. But I want to tell you that before you got into that relationship, before you had that relationship, God already knew that you would be in a relationship like that. And in many cases, we cannot be called overcomers unless there's something for us to overcome. In many cases, we cannot grow unless there's some resistance, come on somebody, for us to grow. And so, like it or not, we need both good, and I'll say this, bad relationships, what we consider to be bad relationships in our lives sometimes. I know, I'm just like you. I would like to avoid all the bad relationships. I'd just rather not go through that. Come on, somebody. I don't know. Maybe there's some people, there's some people that like bad relationships. It seems like they do anyway, Jody. I don't know. Maybe they really don't in their heart, but they keep going back to them, so it makes me wonder, you know, but I, I don't know about you, but I'm a person, I don't like bad relationships. I'd rather, you, you ever met somebody that just likes to avoid conflict altogether? Maybe you're like that. Don't raise your hand like me, but come on. Maybe you're, you're like that. You just want to avoid conflict. But when you do that, when you avoid conflict altogether, you're also avoiding relationships. And you're also avoiding growing to an extent. And you're also avoiding what could be one of the best relationships you've ever had because you were able to have conflict, overcome it, the God way, come on somebody, and grow closer than you would have ever been if there would have never been any conflict. And so we have to refocus, at least in our country. I can't speak for other countries, but I know in our country, our focus over the last number of years uh, really has shifted. I mean, look at us now. We're, we're so focused on technology. And hey, listen, I'm a technology person. I'm not saying it's bad altogether. We're so focused on social media. 
and I'm on social media to an extent, come on, uh, you know, we're so focused on the corporate ladder, we're focused on 401k and retiring early, we're focused on all the things that we can accomplish, some are focused on letters that they have behind their name, we're focused on so many things that our relationships are lacking. And when you look around, you wonder if we're not raising a generation who's going to be disconnected. Come on. Because our only communication is with our thumbs. Now, I'm telling you, I'm not t I do it. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad altogether. The Internet is not bad, just like a library. It's not bad. But it's us as people. What do we do with it? How do we use the information? I mean, are we allowing it to, for us to, 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 are we allowing it to be a wedge that we become disconnected and all we do is text and, and believe everything on Facebook? Or do we ever pick up the phone and actually, t or better yet, do we ever look face to face? That's what I like about Brother James sometimes. He said, I just need to look at you face to face and just see your face. Come on, when we're talking. Right, Jody? Come on. And so we have to keep that in mind. So we just, I'm not saying throw social media away. I'm not saying throw technology away. All I'm talking about is us as a people have to focus. We have to have right relationships. Right relationships are this. This is, here's, here's what I'm after in this series. They have to be my highest goal. In other words, not the 401k can't be my, it's a goal. It's a goal. But it can't be my highest goal. Because at the end of the day and at the end of your life, your 401k is not going to be sitting with you by your bedside. And if it is, you really have some problems if you're sitting there talking to your 401k about, you know, your legacy. Come on, somebody. Your relationships have to be your highest goal. They have to be your greatest aim. I'm refocusing my life to say, I want good relationships in my life. That, that's going to be a goal. It's going to be my highest aim. It's got to be my first priority. My first priority can't be how much money can I make. And then, once I make a bunch of money, then people will like me. No, people will really like your money. <laughs> Come on. They'll like what you have, if you can accomplish that. I want somebody that likes me for me. Come on. They have to be our deepest aspiration. There has to be something way down in there. That we say, I long, God's given that to us. I long for good, solid relationships for, with people, even if it's for a season. Some people come into your life and it's for a season. God made it that way. We'll talk about that. They have to be my strongest ambition, my constant focus. You can't let it lack. Come on, you can't one day say, oh, I had a great conversation with Dorothy and, you know, we're in good shape. And then that's, that's it. Once, once and for all time, that's the only conversation we have. You know, you got to go back to it. Come on. And it has to be my passion, passionate intention. Not just an intention. A lot of people, what, what's the old saying? The, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That cannot be more true. And that's, that's another sermon actually altogether, but couldn't be more true. Good intentions will not get you into heaven. Uh, and good intentions won't get you a lot of things. It has to be a, my passionate intention. Passionate means I'm really going after it because there's something longing in me. And so, if we're going to have those kinds of relationships in our life, whether they're seasonal, whether they're lifelong relationships, if we're going to have those in our life, we have to have the right 
starting place. And if I want to get the right starting place, I've got to go back to the person that created relationships in the first place. I've got to go back to the one that created Adam and Eve. I've got to go back to the one who told me how a relationship should go. Matthew chapter 22, looking at verse 37, the Bible says this, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. We get tripped up with this word, <laughs> all. And with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This, as cliche-ish as it is now, is the best advice that we could ever get on relationships. We have to start at the right place. This is what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes. How loving God first will help us with every other relationship in our life. Jesus said that you should love the Lord your God with all of your passion. All of your heart. Come on, all of your soul. All of your mind. This version says your prayer and intelligence. This is the most important. The first on any list. There's a second alongside it. Love others. Well as you love. Come on. All. He says all. Nothing left out. So when you love the Lord, He wants how much of you? All of you. When you surrender, you surrender all to the Lord. He wants it all. But then he doesn't stop there. God says something else. And I'm going to say something to you, but I, I want you just to, to stick with me. Don't, don't throw me out of the pulpit yet when I say this. God wants you to love him first and foremost with everything that you have. But God also wants something else. He wants you to love yourself. And I'm going to say this. You have to love yourself before you love others. Now, I said, don't throw me out of the pulpit for saying that because I understand, uh, you know, the, 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 the joy. Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. And that, and that is also still true. But before you can get to joy, you have to love yourself. Because look at what the scripture says. He says the second one is like it. Love others, what? As you love yourself. So if, how will you know how to love others if you don't already love yourself? He wants you to love him. He wants you to love you. And he wants you to love others. And then once you get that down, now you can experience joy. When you're able to do that, now you can say Jesus first, others second. Because I'm secure in myself. And myself last. Yourself last. Joy. Come on. But the thing of it is, is this. When Jesus says love me first. And he wants you to love yourself. I understand the Romans 7 scenario, that we, we are to die to ourselves, crucify ourselves. Paul said, who will deliver me from this body of death? Where will I go? I'm not talking about the fallen self, but I'm talking about, this is why you have to love God first. Because if you love God first, if you give your life to the Lord, then you are no longer the old man. Behold, all things have become new. You are a new creation. 
And that new creation is what God wants you to love because he gave you his spirit, he gave you his DNA, he gave you his pneuma, his very breath. Come on. And a new creation was awakened. God said, wake up when you say, I surrender all. And so the Lord wants you to love that part of you. And you can crucify the fallen part. Loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind means that you have the right priorities. And therefore, you do not have to worry about missing out on relationships. Now, I'll tell you, the world today will tell you that you're missing out. They'll tell you, listen, if you go with this archaic thought of one man and one woman, you're missing out. You're, you're, you're archaic. You're, you're old. That's old thinking. We've evolved since then. This, this old thing about that. Or if you think about, listen, I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to be a giver and I'm going to give others, uh, you know, I'm going to think about others before I think about myself. You're being archaic. You're being a placemat. People will just run over you. You're missing out. People will tell you that you're missing out if you do it the old school way. But I want to tell you this morning that there is no other way to have right relationships. The only way is the way that Jesus proclaims it to be. Why? Because he's the one that created it. Unless he changes it, it can't be changed. We can't change it. And so we have to have the right plan. God must be first. Look at this diagram here. You must have God at the top. Come on. Me and others come off of that. Because if you don't have this thing, you'll never have this thing. With others or yourself. You don't even understand yourself unless God reveal you to you. Come on, you think you know yourself, but then you get up and you do something you never thought you would do. You don't understand yourself at all. Come on, unless God reveals you to you. We must love God first. Seeing the desperate hungry in our culture to find God, we the people who know God should love God passionately. You know, listen, we can't go out. God said, go, Jesus said, go out. Come on. What? To the highways and byways. Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Go out. Teach my gospel. But I want to tell you something. If you don't have this down first, you're not going to be able to compel to drag people into the kingdom if you're already not securely in the kingdom yourself. Come on. You're not going to be able to do it. The, way, the best way that we can evangelize is to love God passionately for ourselves. When you're able to do that, you have a pipeline with the Spirit. And God will then, He'll put you in places where you say the right thing and get someone saved. Come on where you say the right thing and someone's healed, where you say the right thing or you love somebody the right way and their relationship is restored and marriages are put back together. But if we go without being secure in God, with our two feet not being on a secure place, come on, we'll fall right into it with them. So that's why this relationship has to be first. Loving God first starts with a spiritual encounter. We can't have a mental assent about God. We can't sit around in a meeting and talk about what is God really like and write it all down. We can't even go back and study what God is like and really get to where we need to be. Those are all things that we can do, but those are all catalysts 
to a spiritual encounter. You must have a spiritual encounter for yourself with God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the rhema word of God. If you don't have a spiritual encounter with God, you'll never hear God. And you'll have a false hope and a false faith. People wonder, how can Christians be the way they are? How can they go to church and give money and, and, and talk about loving other people and, 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 and do all of these things and lift their hands and sing these songs? And how, Why are Christians that way? Why are they so crazy? And, uh, you know, one, the, the, the thing of it is to me, I'm, I'm wondering, how can the world not see what we see? How can you not understand the spiritual encounter that I've had with my Lord and Savior? How he saved me. How he reached down in the miry clay. Come on, somebody. Into the bottomless pit. And he picked me up out of that thing. And he set my feet upon a rock. And he established my goings. And how he delivered me. Come on, from a life of sin by the blood on the cross. How he healed my body. Come on, somebody. Showed me my purpose for being here. I'm missing out. No, you're missing out. Come on. But you can't reason with somebody. Paul tried to do it. And he said, I almost, the, the Agrippa said, I almost, one of the worst things you could say is I almost. But you can't reason. We must love God passionately. We must have a spiritual encounter called being born again. You know that. Come on. Jesus said, do not marvel that I said to you, be born again. Paul said there is salvation, there is not salvation under any, with any other name. Come on, under heaven, other than the name of Jesus Christ. And then he told the Romans, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, come on, shall be saved. Born again means to receive salvation. It's this word zozo in the Greek, meaning saved, healed, delivered, pardoned, rescued, made whole, set free and restored. That's all in salvation. And Jesus paid it all. Come on, somebody. It means he now resides in us. And not only that, he's Lord of our life. A spiritual encounter will automatically produce spiritual fruit. If you have a true spiritual encounter, because now I'm following what the Lord says. Jesus said, I don't do anything but what I see my Father do. And I don't say anything but what I hear my father say, that's a spiritual encounter. That's giving all to God, not just some. If we're able to do that, it will produce fruit. Spiritual encounter that finds satisfaction in loving God. So many of us look for satisfaction and love and, uh, you know, uh, we, we look for things from other people, assurances from others. But we must first have a satisfaction in loving and respecting God. Psalm says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. David also said, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Loving God first involves all of you. Over in Mark 12, it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. The second is like it. And you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he went on to say this, There is no other commandment greater than these. No other commandment. 
Loving God with all of your heart, when you have a passion and a feeling, people wonder, why, how can somebody worship God and be so moved, moved to tears, moved to lifting their hands, moved to sacrifice, moved to coming to an altar, moved to being prostrate before the Lord? Come on. How can they do that? Because they have a spiritual encounter and they love God with all of them. Loving God with all your soul when your life has breath and movement. The soul is your mind, will, emotions, all of that. We must refocus that to God. I think about God. I, ha I, I, I have a phileo love toward God. My love toward God is not just an agape love. I know he's out there. I know he created us. And so, yes, I love the Lord. God's looking for a little more. That's okay when you first get saved. But as you walk with the Lord, he's looking for a little more. He's looking for some time spent with him. Come on. He's looking for some prayer. He's looking for you to tell him about your day. Yeah, he knows about your day, but he wants you. He wants to hear from you. And then he's looking for you to get in his presence and be quiet for a while so he can talk to you. Because I would think that God would have something to say. I don't know about you. I, I got a lot of stuff to say when I go to prayer because I want him to do a lot of things. Come on. But I would think at the end of all that, God would have something to say. So he wants you to listen sometimes. Loving God with all your mind when you create thought patterns and habits. We need to have God in that. Love God with all your strength where we interact with all of our lives. We need God in that. Come on. This, this, this word, vehemently. With everything that I have, I love God. I love Him. Loving God takes everything that we have. Relating out of a grace encounter is the simplest thing we can do because all it is is about acceptance. I accept you, Lord. God changes us. And I want to tell you something about missing out. You know, you might be a person that says, well, you know, you don't understand, Pastor Mike. I mean, I know all this stuff about loving God first, but I'm, I'm, I'm already, I'm 27, and I'm not married yet. It, you know, what about that? Does God not care about me? I want to tell you this. There are people who get married at 18. In the old days, there were people in ancient Egypt that got married at 13. Israel, 15. But here's the thing about it relationships that are in your life, if you love God first and you don't go seeking them out, looking for something from someone else that you can only get from the Lord first, come on somebody. It doesn't matter if you're 13, 15, 18, 27, or 37. It's about when God has the right person for you, it's always the right time. Because God already knows your purpose. <laughs> And he already knows the desires of your heart. And if you're seeking someone else more than you're seeking God, then you have it twisted around. Our happiness lies in the presence of the Lord. But it's hard for us to trust that. We don't want to trust that God experience. Come on. Focusing on your most important relationship, saints. This one relationship has to be first, and it has to be on top. We look for so many things from others. 
And I'm not just talking about people who are looking to get married. We're going to talk about that in this series, not today, but we'll, we'll talk about that as well. I'm not just talking about that. But I mean, we, we have a longing for, so we have a longing for, uh, you know, we have a longing to be accepted. Accepted on our jobs. Accepted in our families. Come on, and not rejected. It hurts to be rejected. That's why we don't put our heart on our sleeves so often. And I want to tell you this morning that if this relationship is first with us, you're not missing out. And you won't have to worry about those other things. And that's not to say that someone else won't offend you, or someone else won't reject you, or someone else won't disappoint you. But if you have this right, then God bestows a grace on you, an overcoming grace on you, that allows you to overcome everything else. And when you have this right, when you have this relationship right, because God, you, have to, you have to understand that God is a God who, who only, He is for me and not against me. God is a God that is for you. And I hope we understand that this morning. Say that with me. God is for me and not against me. You know, God is a God who, when you're down, He's, he's right there to lift you up. <laughs> when someone disappoints you, He's there to bring you back. Come on, somebody. When you're let down, He's there to comfort you. God is a God who only speaks good to you. He's not a God that seeks to offend you. He's not a God that seeks to talk about you behind your back. He's not a God that wants to tear you down. Come on, somebody. He's a God that wants to build you up. He's a God that wants you to fulfill your purpose that He placed you here for. He's a God that wants to love you and He wants you to love others as much as He loves you. He's a God that's an encourager. He's a God that will put you out there, but He doesn't put you out there by yourself. When you go, He goes with you. He's a God that walks through it with you. And now, when you have that relationship right, now you're able to relate to others because you're a person who bestows grace upon people. You're a person that has mercy. You're a person that encourages others. You're a person that doesn't look to tear somebody down, but to build them up. You're a person, and when somebody goes, even when they mess up, you're able to go to them and say, yeah, there are consequences there, but I will never leave you. I will not leave you even though you messed up. Yeah, but you don't understand, Brother Mike. I mean, I really, I, I said I wasn't going to do that thing anymore, and I did it again, and I really messed up. But guess what? I know someone who stuck with me when I messed up many times. And so now I'm not going to leave you. I know, you messed up. Yes, that was a mess up. <laughs> but I'm right here. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to look at you with condemning eyes, come on, but with eyes of grace, got eyes of restoration, and even if it hurts to restore, come on, even if I have to tell you something you don't want to hear, but it comes out of a place of love and restoration. When you have this relationship right, you're able to now do that. So no other relationship in your life, you don't get anything else out of this. No other relationship in your life will truly be what it can be until your relationship with the Lord is right and perfect.